everyone. Welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. Today is episode 67 of the podcast, and I get to sit down with uh, pastor, author, speaker, and fellow Bengals fan, Adam Weber. In my conversation with Adam today, we talk about what it means to uh, put a name on love. It's it's very practical and yet very um, emotional, this thought of what it means to really give love a name. What does it look like to give love a name in your community, in your relationships, and the people that matter most? Uh, he gives some really practical advice on how to do that. I love some of the things he's doing in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and uh, I know you'll love his story too. As always, the best compliment you can give us is to leave a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Share this podcast, reach out to Adam, let him know how much you appreciate it. It means so much to me when you do that for us. And if you're ready to become part of our community on a full-time basis, text the word RECLAIM to 66866 so that you don't miss any of the important updates about what God is doing in and through this community. Also, I'm excited to announce, you heard me mention it last week, that we are now an affiliate partner for christianbooks.com, which means that if you're looking for the perfect gift or if you're going to even pick up Adam's book or any of the books that we talk here on the podcast, you can support the podcast by ordering through that affiliate link. Uh, It's listed in the show notes and it's all over my website. It really does help support what God is doing. So thank you for all the love that you give us. Thank you for all the support and being part of the community. And without any further ado, here's my friend, Adam Weber. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited today to have Adam Weber with us from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. By the way, South Dakota, one of my favorite states in the country. I visited there two years ago and uh, spent a ton of time there. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here today. Tony, it's always an honor, and uh, I'm a huge personal fan of you, and I don't think I've ever heard anyone, even South Dakotans, say that statement about South Dakota. That makes me feel so... I don't know why. <laughs> well, so full disclosure, we were there in the summertime. We were there in July. That's the perfect time to come. It, we camped in the, uh, in the Black Hills, and we spent Beautiful. time in the Badlands, and then... Um, I think you were out of town that weekend, but I, I got to come to Embrace and I got a tour of all your campuses from uh, a, ooh, a, a chief operating officer at the time who was moving into yeah. real estate afterwards. Yeah. He was wonderful and your, the hospitality of your team was incredible. And I learned so much from your church. So thank you from the very bottom of my Oh, that's, that's fantastic. No, that's, that's a huge blessing that you were able to come and be with us. And I'm bummed that I wasn't here the weekend you came. Well, one of the things that we have in common, I won't say the most important thing, because we both love Jesus, but, <laughs> but you're a huge Bengals fan, and I'm so excited because I never get to talk to Bengals fans. So two it's, questions. How do, you feel about Joe, how do you feel about Joe Burrow and prediction for the year? Oof. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's, uh, we do. That's like one of the main things we do have in connection. It's like Jesus and then Bengals is like right next to him. And Methodism so, somewhere in there too, probably. It's, it's somewhere right? <laughs> it's, it's somewhat in there. For me, uh, Joe Burrow. So I, I'm genuinely excited as a fan. Like sure. I, I, have to, I have to say that I'm excited as a fan. I'm a diehard Andy Dalton fan. He was Both such as, a great guy. And you've had him on your podcast, haven't oh. you? Well, he's a guy that we connected. Uh, we connected actually in Cincinnati at Catalyst Cincinnati. And okay. Stayed, stayed in contact since. 
And so I'm a huge fan of him as a, as a player, but more importantly, as a person, he's, he is a great dude. And so that, that was so hard for me just as, uh, just relationally with him that, that, mm. that grieved me. And yet I'm excited about Joe Burrow and everything that's, that's coming. I'm just, I'm like, give us some offensive lines. So that's the first, <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. I don't care if Jesus is throwing the ball. If you, if you have no protection, like, come on. And so, uh, so I'm, I'm excited about Joe Burrow. I hope he doesn't have to get thrown in too quickly. Although uh, I think that's, what's going to happen. Um, but then prediction, I'm terrible at predictions. I'm going to say, let, let's be optimistic. They're going to win nine games this year. I like that's, it. That's a big prediction. Maybe I nine. like it. I'm, I'm, I'm in that nine. Um, the, the, problem is, the problem is that AFC North is going to be really good. Oh, right? And gosh. so we, we, could, we could potentially lose twice to the Browns and twice to the Ravens, and it wouldn't surprise me. I think the Steelers are going to be awful, and I hold firm to that belief. Uh, and I celebrate it, honestly, because I hate the Steelers. But Oh, my gosh. Like, uh, I – I almost would pick them losing every game of the year over a Bengals Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> you know what I, mean? I, I always say, uh, and this is, this is not a joke. You can tell me that you've had an affair, that you have stolen money, that you politically are just crazy wherever you are. And I'd be like, okay, we can work with this. When I find out someone's a Steelers fan, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. It makes me pause of like, oh my gosh. You I, I have this tremendous teammate. Uh, she is our family ministry director and she's wonderful and God works through her, but she is a, a ridiculous Steelers fan. And it, it almost, <laughs> it was almost a deal breaker for me. Like yeah. I just, it was tough, but, but, but God's using her. And I think it's kind of my cross to bear. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, so we're here so today. That, because- is, that is fantastic. Because you have a brand new project that I'm, I'm super excited about called Love Has a Name. And it's very interesting to me that, um, you know, we're in this COVID world right now and uh, you've got this brand new book coming out. So tell me kind of um, why this project and then through the lens of COVID, how, how do you see God working through this particular season with Love Has a Name? Oh, that, that's a great question. It's um, really the book came out of my own walk with Christ. And um, I start out in the the front introduction. I basically say I've never struggled to love people more myself. Mm -hmm. And so it's really coming out of a season of me really struggling to love people. And so it's like, what does it look like to do that? Like, what does it look like to genuinely love someone? And, and the first book I wrote was on prayer. And I feel really like the next step of, be, of being a Christ follower is learning how to love. And so there's that relationship with God of talking with God and, and walking with him. And then there's that step of like, okay, now I need to begin to live this out. And so I really think it was kind of the next progression book wise um, for me. But more than that, again, like what does it look like to genuinely love somebody? I can remember in high school, uh, I used to look at older folks and there were some, some older people in my town who were just really grumpy, angry people. Sure. And it was just like, at what point do you become like this jaded, cynical person mm. that's just hard to deal with? And I, I thought like that would just be impossible for me to become that person. And now I feel the total opposite. It's like, how do you make it to be an older person with a soft heart that's quick to love, that's quick to assume the best, that's quick to show grace instead of wanting like 
you know, revenge in those moments. And so um, it's really just been a journey that I've been on myself. Well, what does it look like to, to really love somebody? And I think as Christians, we are oftentimes really good at kind of knowing the right answer. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, this is the Bible verse and love God, love people, all this kind of thing. But um, the really when the rubber hits the road is when we're, uh, you know, Monday through Saturday, what does it look like to genuinely love people, people who are hard to love, people who are different from us, even politically, people who just think totally opposite of us, um, people who have wronged us, like, mm-hmm. what does it look like to love people like Jesus? And um, it's with the, as far as the, the virus end of things, it's definitely an interesting time to have a book release. I sure. mean, it's, it releases in August. And so it's definitely an interesting time. And yet I think this message is needed now more than ever. We, we can become divided over a virus, oh, over right. a pan. You know what I'm saying? Like, like literally like there's like, we become divided over, you know, this or that, or this or that. And um, even in the political climate climate that we're headed into with a presidential election, I, I think it's, um, it's kind of actually cool. The timing of it. It's like, wow, Lord, you, you have a plan um, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the timing of, of the release. Uh, as, as am I, I think that one of the things that you um, seem to do a good job to draw out in the text is that, um, that love is messy. Why is love, it doesn't it feel like it should be, I mean, if, if God is love and we read that in scripture and it's, why is it so messy? I, I wish it was just simpler to love people. Yes, it's uh, I, every part of life is messy. And um, love is one of those things that we can be really good at in theory. Mm. It's like, oh, yeah, like I'm, I, I can remember before becoming a pastor, I was the best pastor ever in theory. <laughs> right. And, you know, and, and before I had kids, I was like, I'm never going to parent like that person and that person. My kids are going to listen. They're not going to be disrespectful. They're not going to be yelling all over Target, you know. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is really, really messy. Mm. In marriage, I'm going to be the best spouse ever. And I don't know how a relationship could ever like dwindle down and die. My marriage is going to be different. We're really good in, in theory. Uh, but when we actually start to put it in practice, it's, it's messy because humans are, are messy. And yet that's when I, I really feel like that's when we become, when we're willing to enter into the mess, that's when we get close to the heart of God. I mean, Jesus, he entered in the mess time and time again, and he was willing to meet people right where they are, whether it's a tax collector, whether it's a woman that's been bleeding, whatever it might be, a prostitute. Uh, it's really, really messy. Um, and and in, the, uh, in the book, I share a story. Um, uh, we had a house behind us that became one of the most active drug houses in town here. Wow. And it's like, okay, what does it look like to, to love somebody that's you know, like throwing trash all over our yard every Ugh. day that were, I mean, we had to pick up needles in our grass almost every other day we were picking up needles. And I did mean, you have and, kids at the time too? Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Oh man. That, and that, so, that, that breeds up a whole never level of anger yeah, and protection. Yeah. And, yeah. and so it's like, what does it look like to love this person? And love doesn't mean laying like just like doing nothing. I mean, just, just to be honest, uh, I call the cops on a regular basis. There was times where I was literally, I literally thought someone was going to die. I mean, like full fledged fights and stuff outside. So we, 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 we called the, I called the police on a regular, regular basis. At the same time, I created a wonderful relationship with them. Hmm. And um, I, I called the cops, not because I thought they were trash and they, they should, you know, put them to prison. I, I called the cops. Cause honestly, I was like, this might be the best thing that happens to them. 
is them getting caught. And so it's just like, what does it look like? So I established a great relationship with the two, the two men who live there. Um, there ended up being like so many people. I don't even actually know how many people are actually living there, but really, really established a, a, a deep relationship. And then um, near the end, um, I, share, I share about this. The guy comes up to me and he, um, he said, you probably know this about me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a sex offender, um, but I want you to know that I didn't do it. And like, so I didn't do it and I, but I, and, and it looks bad. It was with, with children, but I didn't do it. Mm. And, and so then it even took it up another notch. It wasn't just like my yard is being trashed. And so even in that moment, it's like, how do I love my kids and also love him? So we, we did a family powwow and I'm like, okay, kids, what's the rules of going back to the garage? Cause that's close to their house. Got to take a sibling with my brother or sister. Okay, and, it, and if someone invites us to their house, what do we do? So we walk through all that, and we're very, very clear. And then, um, but then I told my wife, I don't want it to change anything of how we look at him or treat him because he's still made an image of God. And so, how do I love my kids really, really well? Obviously, I'm their protector. That's my first commitment. But also, how do I love him really well? And then all of a sudden, it's like this is really, really messy. And um, the world, I mean, when it comes to even a sex offender, you look at any time in the news, a sex offender is mentioned, it's horrible stuff that's mentioned. Sure. Rotten hell, dragging behind your car. I mean, right. like horrible stuff. And yet it's crazy. It's like, how does, what does it look like to love him? Um, and so it's just super messy. And all of a sudden it's like, as a pastor, it's one thing to even preach on love, God's love. And it's like, what does this look like to live this out? And so it's messy. One of the things that we often talk about here is practices of faith and life. Um, I, I think that when we walk into messy situations, it oftentimes feels overwhelming. Where would you tell someone to start who might be in the middle of their mess right now? As far as to, to love to somebody? Love, yeah, to love somebody who, who might be challenging them, threatening them, scaring them, all of the, the things that feel like they're in opposition to love. Yeah. So it really depends on the circumstance. Um, God doesn't call us to be foolish as far as repetitively putting ourselves in a bad compromising situation. And so if there's abuse or whatever, I, I uh, many, many times, Gary Thomas actually wrote a good, great book on toxic relationships. And the amount of times Jesus walks away from somebody is, mm. fasc is fascinating. And so I think, you know, even Henry Cloud talks about healthy boundaries. Sure. So for some of us, we need healthy boundaries. I mean, even for my kids with this neighbor, um, I, I, very, very clear healthy boundaries were, were needed and necessary for me to love my, my kids well. So I, I think, again, if there's abuse or if there's something like that, um, or, or putting yourself in the same situation over and over again to be wronged. I don't think that's right. And so I, I think that to set that first, um, just to have boundaries. I mean, even if it's, uh, I can remember counseling a family one time that they had an alcoholic father who was homeless and, and they had two little girl, their, their two kids living in the house. And, and so they were feeling like, should we invite my dad to live with us? And is that what Jesus would want us to do? And I, I said, you know, is he an active alcoholic? And they said, yes, like every day. And I said, well, I don't think that's loving to your kids to invite him into your home. Mm. But, but maybe you're, you, on a weekly basis, a few times a week, you meet him for lunch. 
or, and I said, I don't know what your financial ability is. Maybe you say, dad, the moment you want to get sober, I'll drive you to the rehab center. I'll pay for the rehab and we'll, we'll walk alongside you out of it. And so maybe that's, maybe that's love. Again, love doesn't always look like love is, is, is one right. of the other, one of the other things I address of, um, there was a man that I, I called the police on, um, and, and I think it's actually the most loving thing I could have possibly have done is do that for him. And so I, I think for me, again, having boundaries, having guidelines, but then just being willing to enter into that, um, like being willing to, to have that relationship with the person. There's a, a man that lives in my neighborhood who stops by my house um, multiple times a week. Uh, he struggles with mental health and, um, you know, and he comes, sometimes it's like, I don't, come on, Bradley, I don't want to talk to you again. And yet it's a relationship that I really feel like God has said, no, like you need to engage him in relationship. And so it's just that willingness to put away what's safe and comfortable and known to me and be willing to sit, go out in my front porch and listen to him and talk with him and treat him like a human with, with dignity. And so um, I think just that willingness to enter into it, knowing also that you don't have to have all the answers. Um, you know, I think for most of us, we have so much insulation from our lives sure. that we, that we never enter into it. It's like the strange person on my block. I don't have to deal with them because if I see them, I drive into my, my drive, my, into my garage, I turn my car off and as my garage door is going down. And so it's like, what does it look like to be the one person that doesn't do that? You drive in your, your garage and then you come out and you engage in that person who's high maintenance and whatever else or that coworker instead of putting on your headphones and like, okay, I'm not, I'm not talking to you. <clears throat> instead of doing that, taking your headphones off and asking them questions about their day. Um, that's when it gets really, really messy. But in those moments, that's when God does something wonderful. And I think oftentimes we see it as an obligation to do so. And when we, when we open ourselves up in those ways, that's when God meets us in those places and it's one of the, it becomes one of the highlights of your day and your week. Well, one of the things that I really appreciate about the way that you do ministry is I feel like you're incredibly vulnerable yeah. and, and over the course of, of birthing this book, um, you shared on social media about one of your dear friends and, and you wrote the book in his honor, Jared Wilson, yeah. who, who was a pastor and a speaker and, uh, uh, just did so many things for so many people. And, yes. and he, he um, uh, tragically took his own life in the process of uh, his journey with, with what he was wrestling with. Yeah. I, I guess I'm curious, um, what, what, did, what did God teach you about love? I, I mean, because that, that, feels, that feels like a lot. How, how, did yeah. you, um, how are you handling it? And, and what did God teach you about love in the midst of that? Yeah. So, you know, in the last year and a half, it's, it's been two different pastor friends. Um, I was much closer to Jared um, mm -hmm. than, than Darren. Darren has uh, become a friend in the last few months. Um, Jared, I, I, Jared loved, he, he loved people so well. I give him a shout out at the very front of the book of being someone that loved me so well. He was um, what I, and I, what I learned about Jared is I never felt like I needed to doll myself up, you know, and mm. as pa even as pastors, whoever yeah. whoever's listening to this, even as pastors, we like to per portray things better than they are or portray sure. that we got it all together. I was grateful that Jared was a person that I felt like I, I could come to on my worst day and he'd welcome me and cheer me on. 
I didn't ever feel like I needed to like, yeah, our church is growing and this is awesome and this. Instead, I could say, hey, I'm having a really rough day. Would you pray for me? And he'd do the same thing with me. Hey, I'm having a really hard day. Would you, would you pray for me? And so that's one of the things I learned about, about Jared is just what does it look like to be that type of person where on your worst day, not on your best day, mm-hmm. on your best day, you can go talk to anybody. I mean, on your best day, everybody will want to be around you. On your best day, like you'll be on podcasts and blah, blah, blah. But what about your worst day? Yeah. Who wants to, who wants to be with you then? And that's what I want to be. Like, I, I think for me, one of the definitions of success would be at the end of my life that a whole bunch of people came to me on their worst day. Like that would, that, I mean, for me, that would be an honor. Like, Hey Adam, on your, my worst day. And when we show up for people on their worst days, they never forget it. They never forget it. You know, whether they're a Christian, whether they're an atheist, whether they want nothing to do with you, whether they're different from you, religion, politically, whatever, when you show up for somebody on their worst day, it's, it's, I don't know what it is. It's like, uh, it's just Holy spirit filled, like ministering. And, um, that's what, that's what Jared was for, for, for me. And I was thankful that on his worst day that he, um, did reach out to me. Like, um, it was, it was hard to process that I was one of the last people that he spoke with. Um, so that was, that was really, really hard. And yet it just remind me of, of how many people are hurting. And, and so really how it's changed me is really one to talk about the topic of depression and suicide and anxiety even more and be, yeah. even, be even more candid with that. And um, I, I can remember after it happened, a friend of mine, we just said, who are the people in our lives that we could see doing this? Cause uh, my, my best friend, that's not a family member had um, a team, a person on his team take his life mm-hmm. around, around that same time that Jared did. And so he's like, who, who do we know that we'd be concerned about? And he, he, he was the one who brought it up. My friend was, he's like, let's, t- let's reach out to them today. And so each of us reached out to five people and just said, Hey, this was thinking about you. I just want to make sure you're all right. And didn't say it in a weird way. Like, sure. Hey, I, I feel like you're losing your mind. Are you, okay? <laughs> you know, but just, just said like, Hey, just want to make sure you're okay. You've walked through a lot. Like you've gone through a lot. Are you, are you okay? And if you ever need to talk to somebody, I just want you to know that I would love to do that every single person, some of them, I don't even know if they're Christians that I reached out to every single person was honored that I extended that honored that, that he extended it. You know, I worried that they'd be a little bit weird. Like, sure, why, yeah. is, why is Adam reaching out like this? And yet for them, they really took it as a big deal. That's awesome. So th- those are, those are some pretty big and traumatic events. And I, I imagine there's some people listening who have, have gone through some traumatic events and even, even what we're going through now with COVID and everything else oh, yeah. is fairly traumatic. How, how do you, how do you love yourself after something like this? How, how do you, how do you do that? Well, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, I can tell you when I heard about Darren, I just started sobbing and I'm mm. usually not a person who uh, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve, but I just didn't, I, if you would have said, this is how you're going to react to somebody I w- would have been, I don't think I would. But I just started sobbing. And um, how do you love yourself well? I think there's a bunch of different ways. Uh, and I kind of address this in talking with God, but you're not a robot. You're not, mm-hmm. a machi- you're not a machine. You're a human with a soul. And uh, even as someone like myself, how I'm wired, I'm an Enneagram 3 achiever, like driven, passionate. 
I still have a soul. I'm not a robot. And so I think just to realize that about yourself and to care for yourself through uh, resting, we, you know, it's Sabbath. It's, that's what it is like just resting and being still. And um, I also think counseling, I'm a huge fan of counseling. And so, you know, after the whole Jared thing um, and I was in the middle of, of going to see a counselor at that time. And, and I was so glad just to process it with somebody uh, I'm also a huge fan of emotionally healthy spirituality by oh, sure. uh, by Pete Scazzario. Um, just a huge fan. That was something that really helped me to love myself well. I think having um, forcing yourself to make uh, friendship a priority. Uh, Darren, that's actually one of the things that he talked about often was um, during kind of his implosion in life, he didn't have any friends. Mm. And he just said, I, had, I, I, was, I didn't know how to have friends. And so um, I think that's a, that's a huge thing as well as having friendship and prioritizing friendship um, with your spouse, with your kids, um, but also just with friends. My, my dad is somebody, he's an electrician. He was an electrician. I just never really saw, he's so, his best friend's my mom. Yeah. And so one of the things I didn't see him model was friendship really. You know, I really, I can really only think of two men that I would consider my, my dad was just a friend of everybody's. Sure. But he just didn't go on fishing trip with other men. He didn't like go have coffee with other men. I mean, he worked and then he was home. So I never really saw friendship modeled. He was beloved by everybody still is, but I just didn't see that. And so I've never been a guy that's needed friends. And yet, yeah, I do. And I'm so thankful, um, you know, through the hard seasons I've gone through, to have really close friends has been game changing for me. Uh, one of the things that I, I love about the way that you wrote the book is each chapter is a different name. Yeah. And so can you tell us a little bit about why that is so important and why it's so important to give love a name? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's my favorite part about the book actually is uh, every, just like you said, every chapter is a name of a person who either has loved me or I've loved, tried to love them, hmm. connected with someone similar that Jesus loved. And so, um, so each, each, each chapter is a name. And I, I just think it, I'd even encourage people just to think about the names of the people that have showed you what love is. I mean, it's pretty cool just to start thinking about different people. And there's, there's so many people I didn't even mention in the book that have taught me about what love is and about what God's love is. This last, last weekend, I mentioned my, my elementary school gym teacher, Mrs. Biersbach. And it was, it was <laughs> what so, a great name. Oh, I know. And it was so cool. It was so cool. Cause uh, I didn't, I didn't know, let her know that I was going to brag on her. And she was actually listening online from a hundred miles away. Oh, wow. Heard it. And it sounds like it really ministered to her as well, but we all have these different people that have taught us about, about what love is. And I think that's, what's encouraging is we get to be that person to other people. Mm. It's, it's pretty cool to think about that that um that we get to be that person that's like hey i can remember when tony did this and adam did this and they showed me just a glimpse maybe it was just a passing and it was a stranger people who didn't even know who we are um that we showed god's love to or it's maybe it's been a dear friend that we walked through hard seasons with and they're like tony i'll never forget man you showed me so much about the heart of god and so it's, it's pretty cool that we get to be that person and also think about those people. And I've tried to do a better job of thanking those people. Even years later, 
of writing a note and saying, Hey, I just want to let you know, like you impacted me in a profound way. But ultimately, um, we, the love has a name. What's, what's, what's love's name. It's Jesus. Yeah. And you start with that. Well, yeah. I, I was going to ask why, what, how important is it that we start with Jesus before, you know, really we move on to anyone else. Yeah. Kind of help us understand that the thought process there. Well, a couple different reasons. First off, I wanted to make it very clear from the get go that this isn't how to love according to Adam Weber. Uh, <laughs> we are all in trouble if it's according to me. So I, I think like, just to make that very, very clear, like, sure. uh, I'm a work in progress. So I'm not, I'm an expert at nothing. Amen. And so I, I think to first to make that clear. And also I think we have different concepts of what love is and it's kind of thrown around a whole lot. And so just kind of setting the, the, that really from the get go um, of just trying to explain just a little bit about Jesus. And I, and I tried to keep the chapter short because Jesus is basically all throughout the entire book throughout these different stories, but I just kind of wanted to set it up about how, uh, G, the power of um, the fact that Jesus knows a person's name and then mm-hmm. Jesus knows a person's story. Um, those two things, when we get to know someone's name, it all of a sudden gives them value. And when we get to know a person's story, even the hardest to love person, when you start to hear a part of their story, it just draws you in. You know, I was actually talking with a guy this morning who was talking about the last dance with, with, uh, you know, Michael Jordan and the sure, sure. And kind of stuff. And they said, I never knew that Steve Kerr's dad was, was murdered. It changed how I looked at Steve Kerr. And I said, it did for me too. And it's just the power of all of a sudden he's no longer just this, you know, great three point shooter and, and then golden state warriors coach. I mean, like, man, he's experienced trauma. It mm. changes, it changes how we view people. And so to set up like Jesus knows our story, he knows our name. And then also just, just to bring it to the forefront and uh, he loves full of grace and full of truth. Yeah. And so again, like this back, how do we love somebody? Well, that's messy. The true side of things is boundaries and Hey, we need to have some things here. And then the grace side is uh, I'm going to, I'm going to still love you. Even when I find out that you're dealing drugs in my backyard, even when I find out that you're a sex offender, right? Like, I, like there's nothing in our society that makes you lower on the totem pole than that. Sure. It's the, it's the wor- much worse than a tax collector. I mean, much worse, like there is nothing. And yet even still, it's like, how do I treat him with the love of Jesus? Wow. And so really ba- building from there, it's like, okay, so that's Jesus. Now let's hop in. And um, so this, the rest of it, I start with my best friend from elementary school. His name's Jake. I named a chicken after him. I liked him so much. <laughs> and so, and so from there, it's just this crazy, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy, the people. Um, and, I, and all the people in the book, uh, none of them have huge platforms. Yeah. None, none of them um, you know, are th- these huge people. They're everyday people. And that's, again, I hope it encourages that person who's like, gosh, I don't have a platform. I haven't written a book. How can God use me? He can absolutely use you. And the, some of the stories are outrageous, but none of them are like, I can't do those things. It's like, no, you absolutely can. And so I think it's those small things that make the biggest impact. One of the things I really appreciate about the way that you write is um, in, in talking with God and love has a name is it's super conversational. Yeah. And it, it feels like, um, and, and because I, I know you a little bit, like I can almost hear your voice talking to me as I, as I, you know, looking at the, the text. 
Um, how do we get into more intentional conversations as, as humans? To, I mean, even prior to the messiness, how do we step into that? How do we step into having conversations with people? Instead of just talking at them, because I, I think you do a good job of talking with people and not just at people. I think it's just asking questions and then being quiet. Mm. I think it's just uh, asking questions. Um, it's, just, it's just being curious about people. And when we, it's, it's a way, honestly, of loving them is just asking them questions. You know, even, even this guy, um, this guy, there's a, 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 I get this guy who stops on my front porch the other day. I, I just felt like I was supposed to ask him about his parents. And so I said, are your mom and dad still around here? And he said, they're still alive and they live here and here. And I said, um, are, are they, are they good people? And he said, when my mom's not drunk, she is. Mm. And I said, really? Like when she's not drunk, tell me, tell me about, about, and he just started to share the warmest things about her. Wow. And I'm just thinking to myself, I bet, and he, we're different racially as well. I said, I just had this feeling, I bet there's only maybe been one or two times in his entire life that someone who's looked like me has asked him about his mom and he's had a chance to share about her. And not the, not the negative stuff that's probably there if she's an alcoholic. Sure. But the positive stuff and the warmth, it's the, warm, it's the warmest I've ever seen him. And I, I, all I could think about is like, in this moment, I'm, loved, I'm loving him. And cause I love talking about my parents when people ask about my parents, of course. Yeah. And uh, you know, imperfections and all, like I love to share about them. So I think, I think how we enter into it is just, we just ask questions. And I, I think more than anything, it's getting out of the normal. Mm. It's just acknowledging that person in line at Starbucks and asking them about their day. It's the cashier asking just like, Hey, how, like, how is, how are things really today? You know, even our, our, if you go out to eat somewhere right now, we went out to eat to celebrate my, my son's birthday. And there was only one other table being used in the entire restaurant. And I just said, how are things going for you? This has to be really, really hard. And then just listened and she just opened up. And so I think it's just asking questions and just like acknowledging uh, when people are a blur, when your day is a blur and your calendars are blur, you start treating people like a blur. But when you begin to treat people as humans made in the image of God, it changes everything. And so even in my, my alley, there's a, a neighbor kid that I just have a heart for. And every time that I've come to my alley, usually I'm on my way home after a busy day and I just want to go into my garage. Yeah. But I force myself to stop, roll down my window and say, hey, Dwight, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing good. Man, you, you're really getting good at basketball. You got a great shot. Thank you so much. Hey, if you ever need anything, you know where I live. Never hesitate to ask. I mean, it's even short conversations. So that's not even that long. You have a good night. Thanks, Adam. And we, you know, it's just the smallest things. But just to let him know, like, I just want him to know constantly about the fact that I care about him. I want him constantly to know that if he ever needs anything to stop. And even now, like he's a guy that I've actually been praying about, like, Lord, how do we become more involved in his life? Mm. Um, I don't know what that looks like. And um, without, his, without it feeling weird, you know, like, and so tr maybe trying to establish more of a relationship with his folks. And, but I'd love to invite him to youth group. Um, and also know that he loves sports. My son Wilson loves sports. And so I'm like, man, I bet he's never been to a college football game before. 
um, it'd be great to bring him to a college football game when Wilson and I go. And so just trying to figure out those types of things. I think it's just being intentional and just, just asking someone how they're doing today, I think changes, changes everything. When we, one of the things I often pray each morning is God, would you give me eyes to see what you want me to see today? Yeah. And would, you, would you just help me to love one person? And it's crazy what happens when we begin <laughs> to put ourselves out there. A, a quick story that's really been on my heart right now. So a year ago, I did this is this it did not make the book. I wish I could add this chapter in somehow. About a year ago, I um uh, I felt one day that I was supposed to make chocolate chip cookies. Uh, if I ever offer you food of any kind, if it's not chocolate chip cookies, say no. If it is chocolate chip cookies be very selfish and not tell anybody that I gave you cookies. They're amazing. It's the only thing I can make. I can't make, I can't make a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but I can make amazing chocolate chip cookies. So okay, great. One day, one day I just felt like God was just like, um, you need to go make chocolate chip cookies. And I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I just kept feeling you need to make cookies, mm. make cookies. So I asked my daughter who I know loves making cookies, baby, would you want to make cookies with me? I'd love to. <laughs> and I, was like, I knew you would. So we make cookies together. And so her and I have that bonding time, which is whatever. And then she's like, what are we going to do with these cookies? And I said, would you want to make a sign that says free cookies? And we'll set out at our street corner with a little table and we'll just give them out. And so we went out there the whole time. I'm like, this is so dumb. Like, mm. what are we, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? This is why are we doing this? And we sit out there. Sure enough, people start walking by. And, you know, their people are thankful and stuff like that. But sure. I'm like, what are we doing? There was a, a family that showed up. It was like a daughter and then her dad. Um, she was this beautiful um, uh, gal. And, um, but just seemed like it was a rough situation. And so I just kind of silently prayed for her. And I was like, maybe we did that, the cookie thing for her. All the cookies are gone. And I'm like, you know, like, oh, okay. You know, people were thankful, but I'm like, this is just, why are we doing this? Well, um, about five, six months later, we ended up, me and a couple of friends took family, free family photos at a food shelter. Mm. Um, so we got a few professional photographer friends that were willing to donate their time. They took photos of families as they were going in to eat. And when they came out, we had printed off the picture. Oh, wow. And then, and then on Facebook, I asked friends to donate eight by 10 frames. So oh, we wow. Had like, so we had like 120 frames and we were going to take 120 pictures. And so we'd, we'd do this. And uh, all of a sudden a guy came up and he did not seem happy. He said, you <laughs> pointing right at me. And I'm like, uh, you. And he kind of seemed upset. And I'm like, ah, uh, were you a few months back on a street corner with a little girl giving out cookies? And I'm like, ah, uh, and again, he didn't seem happy about it. I'm like, did he get food poisoning from oh, my cookie? <laughs> and he said, um, and I said, it, it, yeah, that was me. And he's like, all of a sudden he said, this man, he's pointing right at me, is amazing. <laughs> he's amazing. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't really feel that. <laughs> he's like, amazing. He said, that day I had just lost my job. and. I was starving on my way home, walking home, and I saw you on a corner with cookies, and I knew I didn't have any money, so I actually shifted to the other side of the sidewalk, and then as I was walking by, you said, they're free cookies. Wow. And he said, it was the best cookie I've ever had. And I was like, thank you. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and he's like, and I, do you mind if I, can I just hug you? Oh, wow. 
and he hugs me and he said, you have no idea how much that meant. God bless you. Praise God. So I was like, oh my gosh. So I've thought about that moment a couple of times, blah, 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 blah. This last Sunday. And um, very few people came, by the way. Uh, wait, like no, very, wait. Uh, you cut out for just a second. Start over again with this last Sunday. Yeah. So this, this last Sunday, we had physical services. Okay. Uh, for the first time. The smallest attendance that we've had in over a decade. Sure. Tiny, tiny service. There's a family that comes in. It's a, it's a husband and wife who ha, um, started fostering kids. Mm. And there's three kids that are in there. Um, and in the service, I talk about my old car. I show a picture. I have a 1936 Chevy. One of the kids, he had to have been five years old. He says, I know that car. I recognize it. And um, he said, um, I know that car. It's right by where my dad lives. And I said, oh, that's cool. And the oldest girl said, and we stopped by one time. I came with my dad and we got a cookie from you. And it was so nice. I remember you being so nice. It was the little girl that came with her dad that I prayed over. Oh, wow. And I'm just like, you have got to be kidding me. Ugh. And it was just this moment of like that whole time I thought it was so stupid and foolish. And God's like, you're going to bless this man who just lost his job, who's hungry. And then this other guy, girl, little girl is going to come with her dad, who she's no longer living with right now because she's in foster. And you're going to minister to her as well. And you're going to pray over her life. And then, by the way, she's going to start coming to your church on the other side of town. I mean, come on, it, it just blew me away. And it was in those moments where it's like, when we begin to say yes, when we begin to say yes to the simplest things that seem really foolish, like baking cookies and then putting them on your street corner and giving away for free, God just begins to plant seeds and seeds and seeds. And he gets me to do things that you just never expect. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. I, I just blown away by what God's doing in you and through you. Adam, I know my listeners are going to want to connect with you. Where's the best place on the interwebs to find you and to pick up their copy of the book, Love Has a Name? Yeah, so you can find me. I'm kind of on, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. On Twitter, I'm Adam Weber. And then on Instagram, I'm Adam A. Weber. Those are probably the best two interactive places that I'm actually will dialogue with you. Uh, as far as the book, I mean, it's available on Amazon, on Target, Walmart. So you can go there. Uh, you can find out more about the book at adamweber.com backslash book. And, and you also have a great podcast, Conversations with Adam Weber. Yeah, uh, you're, yes. You're podcasting on the regular. So uh, I yeah. encourage people to dial in and subscribe to that as well. It's, it's so good. Okay, it's la awesome. last question. We always love to ask people. It's an Let's advice question. If you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice. And, and in this particular case, um, I, I want to take you back to um, when you first planted uh, the church that you're at now, Embrace. What, what's the one piece of advice that you would give that Adam so many years later? Oof. I would say, enjoy the journey mm. and, and enjoy every single day. Uh, up until the last two years, I've not been good to enjoy and to celebrate really the journey. I'm so driven and it's kind of what's next yeah. and never, never really taking the time to say like, this is awesome. And so um, I think just enjoy the ride and um, just, just enjoy it. Like, uh, 
you don't have to, it's so cool to, to be a part of a movement of God, yeah. but just enjoy every part of it. And even enjoy, I think these little things, these little random things, I wish I would have started doing them when I first became a pastor because <laughs> it's, it's now become the highlight of my life. Yeah. I mean, literally it's i uh, I'm constantly looking for random adventures just to, to follow and um, just to, to that random cookie thing on my corner. I want to do more of that at my end of my life. Um, I just want to just do a whole bunch of that because uh, those are the things that God moves in wonderful ways. As your church continues to grow, never step away from those small things where it's just you as a person, not the pastor of a large church. It's just you and your daughter maybe being um, following Jesus and loving like Jesus. Those are the things that are so sweet. So enjoy the ride. Enjoy the journey. Thank you so much for your time uh, today. Thank you for, for writing such important books. And I just really appreciate uh, your presence online and all that you do for the, the, the large church. Yeah, well, Tony, this, the feelings are mutual. You're such an encouraging voice. Um, even in myself, you've been a constant encourager in my life. And I'm grateful for your podcast. I'm grateful for your ministry and just the ways that, that God has used even you. And I'm, I'm thankful to have one other Bengals fan as well. Yeah, who day? Who day? <laughs> <laughs> I told you guys, what a fun episode. I love what a great storyteller that Adam is. And I love some of the practical nuggets that he gives us about how important it is to start with Jesus. I, and and how sometimes our age can just make us so cynical. And how do we avoid that and lean in to putting a name on love? Do me a favor. Uh, reach out to Adam. Let him know how much you appreciate uh, him being on the show. Let him know how much you appreciate his words of wisdom and his stories. And I listen, I recommend if you ever get the opportunity, go to Embrace Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Such a good church. God's doing so many cool things there. And Adam is a powerful preacher of God's word. Um, as always, if you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor, leave a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. We're really working hard to try to, to build up uh, this platform so we can share about all the things that God is doing in this community of which you're a part of. We couldn't do this without you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't forget, if you're ready, text the word reclaim to 66866. Become part of the reclamation community and, uh, and do all of your shopping for, uh, for birthdays or if you're going to order Adam's book, do so through our affiliate link at christianbooks.com. It's in the show notes. It's also in the weekly email and on my web address. It does help us. And we appreciate that. Gives us the opportunity to do what we love to do, which is bring conversations just like this one. So until uh, we talk again, have a great week. <laughs>